Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's podcast is sponsored by Madison Reed. Madison Reed is revolutionizing the way women color their hair with gorgeous salon quality multidimensional hair color delivered to your door on your schedule. Join the hundreds of thousands of women like me, who have tried and loved Madison Reed. Visit madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit with promo code WRITERS. That's madison-reed.com and promo code WRITERS. This episode is also sponsored by the audiobook edition of Exposed by best-selling author Lisa Scudaloni and narrated by actress Kate Burton. In this new legal thriller, a battle for justice pits partner against partner and proves that loyalty can be lethal. Listen at home, on the go, or while tackling your to-do list. To hear an excerpt, visit macmillanaudio.com slash exposed. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N-A-U-D-I-O dot com slash Exposed. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about pop culture, true crime, journalism. And this week, we discuss the podcast Hanging. A reporter from the Mercury News probes whether the hanging death of a 10-year-old boy was more than suicide. We also revisit some familiar stories in our true crime updates and give a preview of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about in upcoming episodes. Joining me to get all that done and a whole lot more is my true crime co-author, real-life husband, host of These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast, and, as Kevin wrote in the script, the sexiest man I know, (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Flynn. I didn't think you'd pre-read it. You would just read it like Ron Burgundy. Listen, I'm just really happy that you helped put together the script, so you are the sexiest man That makes me sexy. Just for that. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, certified cat lady, and amateur ufologist, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. I would like to add newly minted painter to my repertoire this week. Nice. I did see a little bit of that on social media. You're getting up on some ladders and doing some shit. Good for you. No, I didn't go up on the ladder. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I paid someone to do that. But I am painting the front door. (laughs) That is like the extent of my home improvement project. But I'm I'm getting, you know, kind of in the nesting mode, I think, with the cold weather and everything. Uh, I don't want to hear about your nesting mode. We do not need any more crime writers on babies. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, 
no. And finally is the LeBron James of Reluctance, the brilliant novelist behind the City Trilogy, co-host of Radio Free Dystopia podcast, and our favorite resident Doubting Thomas, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Bonjour, hello. <laughs> All right, I have one program announcement. Oh my God, wait, wait, wait a minute. I just, can I just say, what an exhausting week on social media of responding to exactly zero angry tweets about Payne <laughs> Lindsay and zero angry emails. I was going to mention really? that. I think we expected, really? Kevin is always very um, controversy averse, and he's always saying like, don't talk about a certain FBI profiler who's maybe been attacking you on Twitter on the podcast because we don't want to get like all of these emails and all of these tweets. And you were reticent to bring up the Payne Lindsay controversy, but then you were so fired up that you did anyway two mm-hmm. weeks ago. And we have received zero negative feedback yeah, about our a comments. lot of feedback. <laughs> well, there was one tweet from a lady who ex- explained why she still really likes yeah. that podcast. It was reasonable. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nobody's... Even, even on yeah. freaking Reddit... I've been like sort of I've been like sort of jumping. I got called into a couple of discussions on Reddit about our comments about this. And some of them were on the Up and Vanished forum. And I kind of thought I'll just say what I think and whatever. And, you know, my thing is like good for pain. If you like pain, good for him. He's doing what he wants to do. It's just not for me. Mm -hmm. And I have my issues with it, as we mentioned. I kind of expected at some point. But it like literally I have not had a single person say I can't believe you said that about my no, like zero. It's Maybe been we're inviting trouble now. I don't know, but yeah, it was two weeks of I completely agree. <laughs> it was, like, it, was what? T- it was two weeks of I'm so relieved that somebody else feels the way I feel. It was really wonderful, guys. It was a, it was a kind of couple of weeks where I would have even allowed you guys to read our inbox because normally I shield you from it, but. It was delightful to field. So we love you, fans. We really, really do. And we're glad that you also stand up for um, hashtag integrity. <laughs> hashtag I am a podcaster. Now can I make my program? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, start. Start the show. We're going back to weekly starting Yay! this week. Uh, and what that means is that we have got a lot to talk about in upcoming weeks. And we have actually done kind of a grown up thing we've never done before which is to create like a booking schedule of things we're going to be talking about. <laughs> Instead of asking each other on Wednesday what we should yes, talk about. Yes, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. We're going to preview some of those things. But I just want to say to our listeners, if you have ideas, if you see things coming up and you are just like dying to hear our take on them, shoot us an email at crimewritersonit at gmail.com. It's the very best way to pitch ideas for the show. That's how we ended up talking about hanging this week. Even though we had met uh, Julia Protasulik at that uh, conference, so many people emailed emailed us about it. That's how we ended up talking about this. So shoot us a note if there's something you want us to talk about. Crimewriterson at gmail.com. But here's to the point. To celebrate us going back to our regular weekly schedule, I am bringing back something that we used to do all the time and now we only do occasionally. Mm-hmm. And that is on Mr. Toby Ball. Toby. Yes. Today I sent you a list of every single item purchased by our Amazon listeners over the entire summer. Did you receive that list? All 1,543 items. Wow. Uh, Did you find a couple that you want to, like, point out to us that stuck out to you as particularly interesting? There's a lot of interesting stuff, and I apologize in advance if you had something that was even more interesting. But it takes a long time to go through 1,500. Let's hear some of what our listeners purchased using the Amazon link at crimewriterson.com. All right. Let it go. Uh, We'll start off with Dubia 
roaches a hundred large. <laughs> what? It's apparently okay. somebody paid twenty five dollars for a hundred roaches. Like animal roaches or pot I, roaches? I, <sighs> was I it under the pet section? It's a home and garden, so pot. I think it could go either way. You can order roaches. <laughs> How is that even I, possible? I think I think you probably feed them to like iguanas or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving on. All right, Poseidon. Professional rechargeable oral irrigator with high capacity water tank by Toilet Tree Products. Updated version. <laughs> so it's like for a second there, I thought it was going to be like a. Um... It's a bidet for your mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. With a high capacity water tank. How much water do you need? That's my question. Before you start waterboarding yourself. Exactly. What does it mean wow. to be bidet for your mouth? What, is, what does it mean to be orally irrigated? All right, here's another one. ELF, total face brush. <laughs> total. A face brush? A face, a face, it's not just for your hair. I think that's one of those things where you use it to like exfoliate. There's some fancy products. Really? My sister has. My fancy New York sister has one where it's like motorized. It's a brush that she like rubs yeah, over Yeah, this her isn't face. motorized. No. It was a buck 60. All right. <laughs> uh, this is a good one for the ladies. Female urination device. Women portable lightweight silicon travel urinal for PCS. That could come in handy. Yeah, it's only eight bucks. Is it coming in handy at your Jimmy Buffett concert? It could because those porta potties are disgusting. So disgusting. And you don't even want to venture in the woods there. So I'm going to have to look into that. Okay, this is in uh, the category of other. All right, so I don't have a whole lot of information on it. And it's only $15.96, which seems like a bargain. The only description says, unfuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Let's just move on. Anything else, Toby? Well, there's a whole bunch more, but uh, we can... How can you top that last one, really? That's the winner. Unfuck yourself. It's like like what you do after Kevin insults you. You It's less than 16 bucks. Well, to our listeners who have maybe recently joined us and have no idea what the hell we just did, uh, you can go to our website, crimewriterson.com. We have a link to Amazon there. You can do all the shopping you would have done anyway. It's no different for you, except this show gets a tiny little piece of your purchase. You don't have to pay anything extra. And what we use that Amazon money for, frankly, is to like pay the extra electric bills it keeps to like have the studio in our house (laughs) like it's not like you know sending our kids to college it just helps keeps the podcast running so go to crimewriterson.com click on that amazon link and who knows you too could have your item read by toby ball allowed in this podcast thank you very much toby those were excellent excellent choices you bet now uh moving on laura bricker you are the person who's going to fill us in on one of these kevin can you please read this true crime update now quite a ways back we talked about the documentary on hbo beware the slender man you remember that oh yeah uh this is the real life case behind the documentary is well i'm gonna let laura explain it because there's been a development laura can you fill us in on what is going on with that case right now i can so for those of you who i mean let's go back there these were the two girls in wisconsin we had anisa weir and morgan geyser And these are the girls that lured one of their classmates, Peyton, out, uh, and they stabbed her 19 times. Um, And then they said they did this so that they could ingratiate themselves with the Slender Man, this mysterious man who lived in a northern Wisconsin forest that um, was going to change their life and all this good stuff. You know, in the documentary, there was a lot of 
issues that came up related to these two girls and their mental health and, you know, whether or not, you know, one of them was schizophrenic and, and that was what was going on. So Anissa, the first girl, she struck a deal with prosecutors um, just last month in August. And so she pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second degree intentional homicide. So she basically acknowledged that she did it. But here's the twist. She's saying she's pleading not guilty due to mental illness or defect. Um, So she's basically having a trial on her mental status. And, you know, we had a, you know, this is unusual. We had a trial like this in New Hampshire I know Kevin is very familiar with. So you're basically arguing not whether or not the person committed the crime, but whether or not they were mentally ill. And that is, you know, what contributed, whether there was something going on. So they had opening statements this week. That's the new news. And the second girl, her trial is set to begin in October. But so the trial did start for Anissa this week. And her attorney is, you know, obviously arguing on behalf of her mental state. And so in opening uh, statements, he said her broken mind caused her to lose touch with reality. She was under the command and control of a delusional disorder. Prosecutors obviously have a different take on this. Um, They say, you know, she may have believed Slenderman was real, but she had the mental capacity to know that she was committing a crime. And that the plan was always for Anissa to stab Peyton, um, but she couldn't do it. And so instead, she directed the other girl to do the stabbing. Prosecutor said they knew this was wrong. They understood what they were doing was wrong. So a few witnesses have testified. Um, Anissa's father has testified about her, you know, early time in grade school. And I think one police officer has testified. So there's if you're interested in this trial, um, a lot of the media outlets out there are actually broadcasting it live, either on their website or on TV. So yeah. How old are the girls now? Do you know? They were 12 when it was committed. So I don't know how long. So well, even if they're not technically still minors, they're definitely still teenagers. Yeah, so it's 2014. So yeah, so so that's um, 15 or 16 at this point. Laura, does it does it say that what the consequence would be if she were found not guilty by reason of mental defect? Does that mean that the state would hold her in a secure psychiatric facility? It sounds like it's either she's going to jail or she's going to a facility, right? That's usually, I didn't see anything. I read a couple of the articles about, you know, the the trial starting this week. I didn't see anything about the outcome, but I know that is here in New Hampshire. That's the way that these cases kind of play out. And then, you know, you get sent to the psychiatric facility, usually for a certain period of time, like five years or two years or whatever it is. And then you're reevaluated to determine if you're still at a point where you need to stay there. Now, Kevin, Laura teased that you knew a little something about this kind of a trial, a mental health trial, basically. Do you want to just fill our listeners in on that in case you're not familiar with the cases that oh. you've covered? Well, I, th- I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, the case of Sheila Labar, who was a female serial killer from Epping, New Hampshire. That is I wrote a female serial killer. Is. <laughs> She's still alive. She's still alive. Although uh, we have no idea where she is. She's like in Florida left now. Florida was yeah. the last place I yeah. heard she was being incarcerated. But this was a story that I wrote about in my book, Wicked Intentions. And she uh, put on an affirmative defense, uh, you know, reason uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. And like Laura said, it's it's an affirmative defense. So it means that the onus is on the defense to prove that she is insane it's not the burden of the state to prove that right, so right, uh, yeah. it, it ends up being for an interesting trial yeah, yeah i actually sat through that trial and what was interesting about that is in a case like that the defense actually goes first 
Now, you guys, Laura and Kevin, you guys didn't know each other at that point, right? Uh, we knew well, of I, each other. Yeah. You attended some of that trial, yeah. right, yeah. Kevin? What was that? You attended some of that trial. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you? Did, did you see Laura? Well, there was, you know, a group of. of <laughs> I'm <laughs> you just know, trying the press to figure gaggle, out. Yeah. Like this is like so cool to me that you guys were both there, and now we do this podcast. I, I think. If, I think if you gave Laura some uh, painkillers, <laughs> <laughs> she would say that uh, she wished that she had written the uh, the Sheila Labar book. And that she would have written a better book. Uh, you know, it's really funny. Like the, like the small world of true crime journalism. Julia uh-huh. Protasulik, who did Hanging, which we're talking about tonight, yeah. she saw me tweet about the Lacey Peterson documentary, and she sent me a note and said she covered that case and she was present for every single day of that trial. Oh wow! Yeah. So like, I'm dying to talk to her about that now. Now, Toby, quick question for you on the Slenderman case because I know you know we watched this documentary and you had, as I did, a lot of concerns about the you know, legal proceedings around these girls, you know, one of whom, the one whose trial just started, who clearly in the documentary, at least it shows, was mentally ill, is mentally ill. And they, you know, talked about that. And then we're not talking about, like, depression. We're talking about psychosis. We're talking about, you know, demonstrable, diagnosable mental illness. And now we hear that some of this trial is being broadcast. Like, does that make you feel a little bit weird? Like, it, it makes me feel a little bit weird, Toby? yeah. would you like me to expand no i I mean it's strange that you would have you know regardless of the mental illness that you'd have somebody who's a minor have their trial be broadcast i mean that's unusual right well i think they were trying them as adults right i mean wasn't that part of the uh yeah but they're not actually adults in the eyes of the law they are see that in itself i think is is kind of bullshit insane yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean you know you're an adult or you're not and and like you want to change the rules because you think somebody did something particularly heinous. You know, the whole the whole idea, I think, behind distinguishing between adults and children in trials is that children, you know, haven't developed sort of the moral sensibilities and responsibilities that adults have. So why why would it be different for kids to commit certain crimes? You know, why why is that suddenly not in play for certain kids? So yeah. I, I, yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me that then you then you can broadcast it and say, well, we're trying them as adults, so technically they're adults. So we'll still show it, even though, you know, if they'd burgled some house or something, we wouldn't be able to name them in the paper. But that, isn't that like that's the theme with so many things we talk about? Like you look at the um, sex offender registry, right? These things start with like very good intentions. The intention is. You don't want people who were convicted of sex crimes getting out of prison and committing more sex crimes. Let's create a registry so that we know where they are and that where parents can't parents get over there. And then it turns into, you know, really like a witch hunt where there are people who their crimes were categorized as sex crimes. They that, urinate in public. They urinate in public. And they're put on the or sex they're 16 yeah. and their girlfriend is 15 yep. and their parents are pissed off when they find them having sex. So they get like, uh, it, it's, it, yeah. and then you look at, you know, there's that there's the hate crime statute, which creates greater penalties when you can put the hate crime label on it, which very good intentions, right? Like it was sort of designed around people hurting people with less power. Mm-hmm. And it is applied so inconsistently. Yeah. Or the three strikes. Yes, oh, the three. Like, yeah. the, the intentions are there. Yeah. But it's, it's just sort of like we just shouldn't fuck with like judgment. Like it's weird. Yeah. The only point I would I would argue in that is 
I don't know what good intention there is about trying 14-year-olds as adults. No, I, I totally agree. So one of the things that Kevin and I have been talking about doing on this podcast when we return to weekly shows is following up a little bit on things that we've been keeping up on that we talked about in the past, like we just did with the Slenderman case. Um, not necessarily as true crime updates, but a lot of times we'll review a show or podcast and our listeners will be like, holy shit, you still listening? Did you hear this episode? Blah, 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 blah. And so I just want to like uh, do that a little bit right now. Um, Kevin, you actually finished listening to Homecoming, right? Yeah, I did. We talked about Homecoming a few weeks ago. Can you just give me your thoughts on Homecoming and, and how you thought the season ended up? Because I know that we were sort of split on that podcast. Yeah, I'm, I was disappointed. I remember Toby's comments after uh, when we were listening to the beginning that and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, Toby. I think you said you didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. We'll give it time. <laughs> it's you know, it's about the homecoming initiative, and now it's opening up the mystery, and let's see where it goes. And it never really did. No. Now I really thought the performances were great, mm-hmm. but it was more like we still really didn't know a lot more about what's going on and who's got what motivations. Yeah. And we just spent the whole time looking for Walter and never found Walter. <laughs> so I don't really know like what narrative arc, you know, what conflict was resolved. Yeah. Uh, I still will listen to season three. I was kind of hoping more to what the title of the series is about. Anyway, the home homecoming, the homecoming initiative, other than the fact that they have to fix what, you know, something that went wrong that we still aren't clear about. You know, just it just, you know, kind of didn't go anywhere. And so I guess Toby was right. I was wrong. They could have turned over a card or two for yeah. us. So, yeah. Toby, scale of one to ten, how vindicated do you feel right now? <laughs> I, I I take no pleasure in people being disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think there's there's something to be said for you do something good, just leave it, you know? True Detective season one. Uh, don't even start. <laughs> True Detective season one, parts one through three. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to give you the flip Fuller side of House. this. Yeah. I'm just going to give you the, the flip side of this, which is that um, a few months ago we talked about Scientology in the Aftermath, the Leah Remini A&E reality show, mm-hmm. which, by the way, just won an Emmy for best. It was a really obscure Informal. category. Best informative documentary style. Yeah. It was something like that. It's the one that you get at the uh, ceremony that is not on television. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I am still watching it and I still freaking love this show. So for our listeners who maybe have not been keeping up on Scientology in the aftermath, even if you don't want to watch the episode by episode week after week people's telling their sad stories, like every week there's a theme the one from this week was about David Miscavige mm-hmm. and it was great. And the one for next week, which is like on our DVR, right? We're recording it. I'm so excited. Is about why Scientologists recruit celebrities. And I mm. cannot wait. Did you read that book? Which book? Going Clear. We talked about Going Clear on this show, Toby. WTF. <laughs> <laughs> we watched it. The documentary, yeah. Not the doc, but the and book. It, like the one by we uh, well, we Lawrence Wright. The documentary. Uh, we no, and then you had read, read the book. And so, yes. I haven't read the book, but I do know about Wait, the book. Wait, did you just say yes, I, I haven't read the book? I haven't read yeah, the that's book. exactly what she said. Okay. But I, we have talked about the book because you talked about the book on this very show. <laughs> right. I'm just asking you if you personally have read it because I think you would enjoy it. I actually think that I would enjoy it. This Scientology story to me is like, it's riveting. 
Yeah, so the whole thing, and plus, it's like the whole thing with her makeup and her hair. It's so good. It's like Leah's the, hair. There's so, so much to look at. And Mike Rinder, who's her co-host in the series, is so great. It's just I call him the St. Paul of <laughs> uh, Scientology. That's right. He is wonderful. So, yeah. Toby, um, I understand that you have gotten a preview of what we're talking about next week, right? And you next week we are planning to talk about The Deuce on HBO, which you caught the premiere of. Can you just tell us... What to expect when we start watching The Deuce, because we are talking about it next week. Yeah, so I watched the hour and a half premiere. It's written by David Simon and George Pelicanos. And David Simon is probably, you know, the best person ever for these kinds of uh, sort of prestige, sort of crimey type series. What they do, like it's, it's this huge ensemble production. So there's, there's uh, you know, probably a dozen characters and for the most part, it's these very, very quick scenes where you're bouncing back and forth between different characters, which I, I think is, it's mostly effective, but, you know, I have really high hopes for it. I was with it for the whole 90 minutes. I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty wrapped up. So it's hard to judge something on, on one episode, but I, I encourage people to watch it. So but we'll be judging it on, on two episodes. episodes. Yeah, and that's, to- that's totally legit, Kevin. Unless unless HBO gives us like press credentials and we get to watch it in advance like the Rolling Stone people do. Uh, that's awesome. Which, by the way, I don't want to like say too much, but there are a couple of media outlets that are starting to help us out in that regard. That will come up later in this season. So I just want to tell our listeners right now a couple things that are on our list to talk about in the future. They're not booked 100%. Talking about the deuce next week. Yes, Law and Order, the Menendez brothers is on our list. Spooked podcast is on our list. Mindhunter, uh, that's a Netflix series, is on our list. Street Justice, the Bronx Discovery Channel is on our list. Heaven's Gate podcast, which I cannot wait for, is on our list. The Unsolved podcast is on our list. Of course, we hope Serial Season 3 will come out someday. (laughs) Making a Murderer Season 2, Stranger Things Season 2, West Cork. We've got a lot of good stuff on our list. We cannot wait. Just one last nod to a follow-up. Laura, have you been watching the Lacey Peterson series on A&E? Have you continued to watch it since we talked about it? I actually haven't. I've actually stopped. (laughs) Please. (laughs) He's guilty, Rebecca. He's guilty. Please watch this show. Kevin Flynn, you and I have continued to watch the Lacey Peterson series. We have, yes. You know how I feel. Like, I am hurting inside. It hurts me. It, like, physically hurts when I say this out loud, I kind of think Scott Peterson may not be guilty of this what? crime. I know. I'm, I'm, I know that. I know that makes me sound like one of those like 9/11 conspiracy people or something. <laughs> it just feels bad to say, but it's it's a good, good true crime series. You've been watching it too. What do you think? Am I crazy for thinking that Scott Peterson may not have been the person who committed this crime? Is that even a question? <laughs> Wow, yeah. Um, I don't know. Local- You're watching it too. You should know. It's not over yet. That's true. It's not over yet. Have you at least vacillated a little bit? I think that the documentarians have done a good job of presenting the defense in a credible way. And both sides in a credible way. Yep. Both sides. Yep. Not just the defense. Yep. Amber Fry is in the show. The prosecutors are in the show. The defense is also in the show. Right. It is not. But they're not just giving them lip service and sound bites. They're actually exploring. Right. Yeah. It is 50 50. It's incredible. It's yeah. so well done. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'll i wait till the end. But I mean, there's certainly, you know, I, I still am kind of 
in love with the reporter with the long ponytail. <laughs> the side pony? Yeah, the side pony. She's great. I think she's been taking care of that pony with hair product from Virtue Labs. Ooh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> Virtue Labs is a new hair care brand with the goal of giving everyone the best hair scientifically possible. Best side pony possible. Yeah, or front pony or... Top pony? <laughs> Top pony. You don't even know what kind of ponies there are. I don't. I don't. I know there are ponies. Double ponies? Aren't those pigtails? Yes. You know, so six years ago, we had a group of uh, bioscientists that were working in restorative medicine, and they discovered an incredible new protein. It's called alpha-carotene 60KU. Yes. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just, just can you, Someone wrote it on a chalkboard, and they yeah. said, we'll call it alpha-carotene 60KU. Was that evidence in the Scott Peterson case? Because no, there was no actual <laughs> physical evidence in the Scott Peterson case. There just wasn't. Saying. There wasn't. But <laughs> there is evidence here that it has the power to completely transform your hair. It's a whole human protein that's identical to the carotene in your own hair, so it, it resurfaces and fills in cracks from damage to change your hair's quality and appearance forever. And right now, you can only find it in Virtual Lab's line of shampoos, conditioners, and styling products. I keep wondering, there's that bottle of something that you won't let me use in no, the shower? I, I, you know how much I love this shampoo and conditioner and hairspray, by the way. I'm using them all like religiously. Yeah. I sent... A package of them. We have like a listener that we love. Java Chick is her like oh, yeah. Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. She's so wonderful and she kind of went through a really hard time a few weeks ago. And I loved the shampoo and conditioner so much that I sent her some. Like that's how much I was waking up every morning and I'm like, I basically have three jobs. My day is going to be really hard. What makes it a little bit better is using the shampoo and conditioner. It makes my hair, you know how I feel about my hair. Mm-hmm. I Love it. And that's legit. I love it. Are you ready to experience it? Our listeners can now try Virtue at 10% off and get free shipping with the code CRIME. Visit VirtueLabs.com to place your order. It's time to start treating our hair with a little more humanity. (laughs) It's time for Virtue. What's the promo code? CRIME. Okay. What else you got, Kevin? VirtueLabs.com. Virtue, V-I-R-T-U-E-L-A-B-S.com. Yeah, I think so. Promo code? Crime. Okay, what else you got, Kevin? Well, we also have support today from our good friends over at Audible. Yay, our old For people who don't want to use their eyeballs when they want to read books. People who want to ignore their family most efficiently. Yeah, I mean, Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and a whole lot more. Uh, They've also got some really cool podcasts that are going to be coming up that we want to talk about. And they have the great listen guarantee. So if you get an audiobook, you don't like the title, you can swap it for a new one. So, Rebecca... I mean, I really think there ought to be a, you know, no offense, Audible, but you need a 12-step Audible program so that, like, my wife can stop... Ignoring her family. Stop ignoring your family and get her get her ears out of all these audiobooks. Yeah, just in the last two months, I've read every one of Ruth Ware's novels. I have read the new Louise Penny novel, Glass Houses. I have listened to both novels by Susie Steiner, who's in fiction, uh, British. She like, has a new series. It's like two books long. I've read both of those. And my favorite audiobook that I've listened to in the last year would be Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. Really, really great book. But the experience of doing it on Audible makes it even better. It's like a companion 
and an effective way to ignore your family. And so, Laura, are there any books left that Rebecca didn't mention that you'd recommend? Well, I am just starting the latest, well, I don't know if it's the latest, the latest that to me, Sue Grafton, the Kinsey Milhone series, one of my favorites. She's up to X, which is the first one where there's not actually a title to go with the X. It's just X. X is for nothing. X is just for X. nothing. X is like the new iPhone. Yeah, exactly. X is for xylophone. I know. It's like the <laughs> iPhone book. So I just started that this week. So I haven't gotten into it too deep, but I always love these books. I always aspire to run three miles in the morning like Kinsey Milhone. And so for maybe a few days after I read it, I think I might actually do that and then it fizzles out. But they're all they're great books um, if you have not read them. Or listen to them. Toby, what's filling your ears? Well, I, I think I'll just make a recommendation today to Rebecca, which is Going Clear, Scientology, <laughs> Hollywood, and the Prison of Belief. All right. I'm down. 17 I'm down hours right and 27 now. minutes. It's actually, it's, it's a great book. Ooh, it's a nice long one, too. It'll take a long time to get through. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you can ignore your, your family for many, many days. Honestly, for me, that's like two days worth of listening. I can't stop listening to audible.com. So if you want to get addicted like Rebecca and learn more about Scientology or any other of these great books, you can get a free audio book with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash crime. That's audible.com slash crime for a free audio book with your 30-day trial. Kevin, I have to tell you something. What? Right before that ad break, we were talking about things we're going to be talking about in future mm-hmm. episodes. During that ad break, while you were talking, I'm sorry, I was also looking at my phone. Our friends who made The Accused podcast, my favorite true crime podcast from the last couple of years, besides Serial, of course, just tweeted that their season two is coming out in about a month. Ooh, okay. So we need to add that to the list. Is that Amber? It's Amber Hunt. Yep. Amber and Amanda, yep, of Accused. Apparently they have a season two coming out in about a month. All right, breaking news. All right, put it on the list. Add to the spreadsheet stat. All right. Now we're going to move on to our review of the new podcast, Hanging, the Mysterious Case of the Boy in the Barn. In that podcast, newspaper reporter Julia Protis-Sulek of the Mercury News in San Jose spent months looking into the hanging death of 10-year-old Joshua Claver. The troubled child was the focus of a contentious custody battle when he appeared to commit suicide about 30 years ago. But questions about the violent history of his sheriff's deputy father and holes in the investigation have nagged many for decades. Was K.W. Claver responsible for his son's death or does blame fall on the whole system or was this a case of suicide? Now, this isn't the first time that we have talked about a newspaper trying its hand at podcasting. Of course, we have Accused mm-hmm. uh, by Amber Hunt, a Cincinnati Inquirer, and we have the what before that was the gold standard uh, breakdown by Bill Rankin. Laura Bricker, how do you think that Julia did here in terms of translating the story she's been reporting for a really long time to audio? What are your thoughts, Laura? I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, first of all, I think she has a really good voice for audio, just the way that she talks and her delivery. It's it's kind of it just got this very soothing sort of quality, even as she's discussing horrible things. But what I, I really, you know, right from the beginning, I feel like her narrative style and the way that she writes, you know, also translates very well into audio because it's very descriptive from the first sentence where she's talking about this barn and and she says, you know, the clapboard barn with the gable roof and hayloft hadn't changed much. The The old barn with the gable roof hasn't changed much in nearly three decades. Sheriff's Deputy K.W. Claver and his family used to live in the ranch house up front. It's only a half hour's drive from Silicon Valley, but it seems like a million miles away. 
KW's 10-year-old son, Josh, used to raise his rabbits in the barn and play in the hayloft. He'd pretend to be Indiana Jones with the boy next door. KW butchered livestock in a slaughter room here. He would hang the carcasses from a bright orange meat rail attached to the rafters. The Clavers had been gone for years when a county coroner and a sheriff's detective showed up on a pleasant summer morning in 2014. They walked down the gravel driveway and into the musty old barn. They carried a 25-year-old autopsy report, a camera, and a tape measure. But the coroner didn't have everything she needed, so she asked the new owners if she could borrow two things, a kitchen chair and a rope. She had come to reenact a hanging. You know, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I felt like the audio quality was good, but I just, the way that she described things and people, um, for me, really brought them to life in my mind and that I could really visualize the people and the places that she was talking about. Now, Toby, Laura just pointed out a piece of writing and you just heard me play the piece of audio here. And sometimes in this podcast, I found myself wondering, will Toby find some of this writing from this newspaper reporter a little bit, as you tend to put it, purple? What do you think, Toby? Uh, it didn't really stand out to me as purple. Um, it seemed like like a good newspaper writer, basically. So it, it was fine. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't bother me. It didn't it didn't really stick out to me too much, I guess. Kevin, what do you think? You know, this well, is well, yeah. That that first passage, I was I was listening to it and I was kind of like, uh oh, hold on. <laughs> well, you've been traumatized by purple writing in the past. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, because it was very deliberate. However, I, I think you know, beyond that, I, I I thought that the writing was very good throughout. You know, there are other issues that you would knock, the judges would knock some points off. We'll get for. there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I think the writing's fine. And I think that it certainly gets a lot of points because the fact that the reporter is a veteran mm-hmm. and a true professional and was so transparent. We're, I mean, yeah. this is somebody who I think like really studied serial. Right. And what the style lessons and the substance lessons, too, of serial are as far as presenting a first-person journalistic narrative, which is explaining some of the rough edges and how, you know, a little bit of how the sausage is made without being obsessive about it and explaining, like, the story is formed this way because of X. Right. Well, this is where I will do, like, a small points deduction because... There is that wonderful transparency. And we'll talk about the ethics in a minute, which I think are so above board, like almost, I don't want to say too above board because nothing can be Mm -hmm. too above board, but they're so above board that it's so stunning. But the thing that, you know, you can sort of tell when people aren't used to working with audio and that kind of comes across a couple of places, Um, not just with, I don't care about audio, I don't care about her recording stuff on her phone, all that stuff, but just like, some of the music choices, some of the sort of stylistic choices, some of the mixing, it's just like that's the differentiator. But I agree with you that in terms of like the transparency and trying to elevate this to that level, uh, you can tell that this is a student of of that plus a lot of years of being a newspaper reporter, which is a particular kind of reporter. And you know, getting back to the writing for a second, the writing is so strong in so many parts that when it's not – it sticks out a little bit, right? Like, I think there's one point in the podcast, which is a really stunning moment, which we'll talk about, so I don't want to spoil it, but that she has one line of whether or not you can see into someone's soul that stuck out to me as like, that wouldn't be in a newspaper article. <laughs> I think it's a testament to the strength of the writing, the one point where it 
was a little purple stuck out. But there's one kind of really tricky thing in this podcast, which is the difficulty of reporting stories, whether it's a TV story or a radio story or a book about a crime involving a child victim. Now, Kevin and I, you had this experience, you and I had this experience when we pitched a book about a child victim. Mm -hmm. But there are like issues with just obtaining information beyond uh, yeah. what's able to be obtained in a case of an adult victim. Yeah. And I th I think this is, you know, we touched on this before that when you're talking about juveniles, the juvenile records are uh, almost never open for public inspection. And, you know, that's sort of the protection. So it's, it's, it's harder to do a lot of the investigative work about that, you know, you're talking with family court. So that's an obstacle. So I kind of want to get to this like um, meaty part of the discussion, which is what is this podcast actually about? Is it about whether or not Jacob Claver died by suicide or murder? Or is it about something else? Now, Laura, you think it's actually kind of about other things, not necessarily just about answering this question. Well, you know, I think... You know, the first thing as I was listening to this is it reminded me this is how so many stories as a newspaper reporter kind of start. Somebody comes to you wanting you to go investigate what they perceive as wrongdoing by police, wrongdoing by somebody, and they have information. So I think, you know, when you're talking about covering cases with children, that I think is what made this case okay to cover because the person that came forward was Josh's mother. So I think that sort of put that out there. So the initial story, you're really kind of going along. For me, I'm like, okay, the story is really, you know, starting out as this mother giving this reporter information and the reporter following up on it, which is something that, you know, as a reporter has happened to me many times. But I think kind of the, you know, as you're investigating, you know, what happened to the boy, you know, the other sort of overarching theme to me was this custody cases and how parental custody cases that linger on for years and really the damage it can cause to a child. So regardless of whether he hung himself or somebody else hung him, this whole family court system and you know, children being put in the middle. I think that was also a pretty big theme, you know, and I said that it's one of the things I said to Rebecca is, you know, my parents were in court for 18 years after they got divorced. So I have lived the dream. And, and I think that's why I probably gravitated to this. I was like, yeah, this kids, it's, it's a tough place to be. And I think that was one of the other things that really came through in this and a lot of the, the things that fall through the cracks in that system you know, the file not getting sent on when the father had been clearly the judge had found evidence of some abuse and, and that didn't get shared. So so kind of the, you know, things that oversights that happened. You know, I, I agree with you. Family court stories are almost never told in journalism. And the reason why is because they're personal. They're often sealed. And it seems they almost always devolve into a narrative that's a he said, she said narrative and that is very very difficult and tricky to report this story had some opportunities to report some of that narrative toby do you think that that is what this podcast is about or do you think it's about julia trying to investigate what happened to this boy and you know do you think it's interesting either way or more interesting if it's one way or the other i think it's interesting either way I don't doubt that she wanted to find out more definitively what happened. 
But I think, I don't know, realistically, I don't think that was, you know, short of getting somebody to confess. It must have seemed like from the beginning, like that was going to be somewhat unlikely. I mean, for me, what I kind of got out of it was the difficulty in these kinds of situations of sort of ascertaining anything like a clear picture. Mm -hmm. You know, you you do. I mean, you, you have a clear picture, I guess, of... It wasn't just a dysfunctional family, but each member of the family was dysfunctional on their own way. I don't think we got a good sense of if Joshua was troubled before the whole divorce thing started, but certainly once it did, he became extremely troubled. But it seems clear that his father was abusive and that his mother, even knowing that his father was abusive, was so messed up on drugs that she thought he was better off with the abusive father than her. In some ways, it's it's really about kids are, are so vulnerable to, I guess, the failings of their parents. Now, I agree with you insofar that the fight became a huge part of the narrative. But I, I will tell you, and this is one thing that I really liked about this podcast that is so rare, not just in podcasts, but just in reporting, which is not telling but showing without being super explicit, the pattern that is extremely common in abusive relationships. So you have KW here who has had multiple restraining orders filed against him by multiple exes. You have a guy who has had a certain kind of partner, which we hear about over and over again, sort of nurturing slash troubled women who are 100% on his side until they're not and then they file restraining orders, then they become the enemy. Um, I can tell you from personal experience that it is not uncommon for serial abusers to partner with people with substance abuse issues. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking at you like that. (laughs) But you also, through your own experience, know that um, there is sort of a pattern of sort of finding partners when you're a serial abuser who you can also lay some blame on for the behavior you're, you're going to exhibit. About. Yes, yeah, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. And I have more than just one example in my you know, 44 years of life where I've seen this. And this is something that Bobby also, I don't want to spoil the podcast, but talks about. And sort of part of her despair is that 50% of the blame for the death of her son is later. It's a, and I think that is what this podcast is framed around, whether this hanging was a murder or a suicide. I'm not sure if it was a missed opportunity instead, making it about this, the ugliness of court battles, the pattern of abusive relationships, et cetera. But Kevin, you had an issue with something more basic about the premise of this podcast and what you thought it was about. What was that? It was the story selection. Okay. So why why was that a problem? Well, I think that a lot of the podcasts that we listen to that, that don't live up to the promise is that they simply pick a story that cannot be told you know the the promise of this podcast given by the title and you know the log line and the setup is we're going to find out did this 10 year old boy commit suicide or was he murdered and all of the investigation is towards trying to find out whether the father clearly not nobody else but whether the father killed his his son and in the end when it seems that all of the possible scientific and investigative avenues are uh, utilized and there is no other conclusion other than it was an actual suicide. Sorry, I'm going to spoiler. I'm going to give it away. (laughs) 
then it becomes about, well, did all the adults in this boy's life fail him? And was it the system that failed? The, the storytelling was great and the journey was very good and there were a lot of stuff. But again, I think it just sort of the fatal flaw in the birth of the story is that is it a story that can be told at all? Because what's the resolution? You either, if it ends up being a suicide, well, then what is the point of the story then? We right. already knew this. I don't know. I mean, I, I just have, I just feel like there wasn't enough narrative consequence for us to like want to go on and find out what happens. Okay. So can we just talk about the process? Yeah. I really want to talk about this with you first mm-hmm. because you spent a lot of time two weeks ago, as did I really hitting another podcast about sort of ethical journalistic yeah, right, stuff. right, right. Not just journalistic stuff, because I don't think that every podcaster claims to be a journalist, but just like basic ethical stuff. This podcast takes journalistic ethics and puts it in the podcast. You know, one thing that Julia does, which it was just such a wonderful but weird and wonderful moment. She goes and talks to KW, the father in this case, and that's my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. So she goes on these two road trips, one mm-hmm. to visit Bobby and one that. to visit KW. So great. And she is, her tape is rolling on her iPhone or whatever as she's recording, and you you hear him, and you hear the beginning of their conversation. And then she asks him on tape, do you mind if I record? And he says, no, I don't want this recorded. And then she says... I have a confession. I kept recording because I needed the recording for my notes. But in respect for him, I'm not going to play the recording because he didn't want me to. And by the way, it was completely legal for me to record the conversation without his consent. So there she's telling you a bunch of stuff. She's telling you she's a good person who asked somebody their permission and doesn't want to like blindside them. She's telling you that she could have just played the whole tape. And she's telling you, here's why I chose not to and here's what I'm going to do. What did you think of that section? I was actually thinking those questions about 15 seconds before she answered them. Right. You know, I'm like, oh, like, this is really good. He's talking. I wonder if he knows that she's he's being recorded. Yep. And I wonder if if she's going to use this. And she, you know, I I said, I wonder what the law is in the state where she's at. Was it Oklahoma? Did they go? Yeah, it was Oklahoma. You know, she explained all of that. And I think that she gave a good reason for keeping the recorder going. But coming to the conclusion, like, I don't need to play the audio, but I will tell you what he said. I have it on record. But there's one moment where you wish he had played the audio, There right? was, yeah, w- without using his voice, there, there is a moment, it, it, this is sort of, I think, like the biggest dramatic moment of the podcast, where, you know, there is some question about whether or not Joshua could have been killed accidentally from a very strong hug Which or restraint hug. Which is for like a chokehold. Or chokehold, yeah. Yes. You know, by his father. Yeah. So when Julia poses it to KW, he reaches around and she says, he gave me a hug for 20 seconds. He touches her. Touches her. Which is Puts his hand on. Okay, yeah, yeah. disgusting sure, thing to right. do. Well, right. she doesn't say but, that. But, but she uses, okay, but you, you just talked about like the line that she right. used. Right. She uses this opportunity. She understands that this is a big dramatic moment. I'm thinking if this is 20 seconds, if this is just holding, it's like, why not play the audio of right, that? Right. I know he like speaks a little bit, in that, but if it was just that tense, that dramatic thing. Creepy AF. I was like, oh, I wanted to hear that. I, yeah. I But I don't know. I, 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 I've never heard the raw tape. Maybe it's not usable in a way that, you know. How much like cows? Well, yeah. Right, Laura? <laughs> I loved the cows. Oh, my God. I really, yeah, I, I loved it. You love the cows. 
But you also loved the way she was able to draw the character of KW, which is very difficult to do when someone has refused to let you use them in the podcast, right? Yeah. I I loved when she was talking to the ex-girlfriends and the ex-wives and they were describing, you know, these honky-tonk bars they were at. It really was kind of a world I have not been in. It was like a different time and place. And I loved the way it was described because I really, I was like, this is like a Magnum P.I. cowboy, but he's bad and he's like a you know, abusive bad. But even though, you know, she had that very brief conversation with him, all the other people that talked about him and the way that she described him physically and how tall he was and what he looked like. And then I can't get over the cows. I think that was probably my favorite part of this whole podcast when she was like walking around this auction barn and you could hear the background noise. I And she was asking those guys, where's where's KW? Oh, could, you know, he's over there. And it was just fantastic. That was I loved that part. <laughs> Kevin's taking his opportunity well, to do You know what? We have we have a cow we have a cow buzzer in my house. I should because my husband for he has a heart valve and uh, he was telling people it was a cow valve. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Toby, what what did you think of these road trips that Julia took and how she was able to flesh out characters who didn't necessarily want to participate? What, what were your thoughts on that part of the podcast? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that I thought they were good. I thought the conversations you had with KW. You know, the way he's portrayed up until then, like I, I kind of at least I I felt some greater tension than than what actually I think ends up ends up happening. Although when when he like hugs her, I'm sure she was like for the first few seconds, like what's happening? That's an intimidation move, right? The touching like that's not yeah. something that a regular person would ever do. with. Well, a he's reporter, clearly right, not Toby? a regular person. I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, he's, he like was physically shoving food down his otherwise. child's throat if he wouldn't eat yeah. it, you know? There are boundaries that he does not understand. Yeah, I thought that was good. And I thought she gets a, kind of the complexity of things, I guess, mm, in that yeah. way. You know, he doesn't cooperate very much, but, but he, when he does get a chance to speak for himself, you know, I thought that what he said didn't necessarily make me feel better about him. But it is interesting to hear him give a perspective that's slanted in his direction. Toby, one episode of the podcast that I just thought was written so well, and I I wanted your take on it, was the episode where she went to go visit KW's ex-wife, Bobby. Now, this was the woman who was stepmother to Joshua when he died, and she was home at the house when, you know, Joshua was found hanging in the barn. And the way that episode is structured is it starts with... Julia in the car just driving down a road in uh, Wisconsin or wherever it was Bobby lived now, getting a call from police and then saying basically like, I hear you've been bothering someone in our town. She doesn't want you to anymore. And then she kind of has to walk it back and she does a couple of like back and forth, back and forths. That is it's hard to do in a book. It's hard to do in a newspaper article. To me, it's almost impossible to do in this format in nonfiction. Like it's, you know, if it were were fiction and it were like the first season of Homecoming with those like sound effects. Yeah. But like I thought that was done really, really well in terms of writing and structure. You know, I think there's a few parts in in, in the the part where she's talked about KW where you kind of get more of a sense of her. I I thought it was interesting when she said you get in touch with somebody they don't want to talk to you and then the the cops warn you off and that's pretty much all you can do and, and it's over. I thought that was an interesting response. I mean, I, I, I think about some of the other podcasts we listen to. I, you know, I won't name names, but I think there are people who would feel to sort of the detriment of their professionalism 
that like that's bullshit. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to get scared off by some cops. You know, I'm going to knock on her door and, you know, or they play the tape of her yelling at them, which she did not. Right. Which I really appreciated that as a journalist and as a listener. You know, the the whole thing with the KW tape that you guys were talking about, like I kind of I had a little bit of mixed feelings about that. I guess it's good that she honored his wishes, but it's not as though he was a third party or he was an innocent or something. I mean, you're talking to this guy who you know is is violent, who's an abuser. He's really the subject of your story. And when he says, I don't want you taping this, and you do it anyway because it's legal, you know, I, I, I could have gone either way. Like, I think if she disclosed that he didn't want it, but I'm going to play it anyway for this reason. Like, I think I would have been satisfied with that. The issue, Kevin, though, is that she asked, right? If she hadn't asked and she had just taped, it'd be different. Because she asked, he said no. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's that's where, as an editor, I would say, well, you asked. If you hadn't asked, you could have just taped. But since you asked and he said no, the right thing to do is to not include it. Yeah, you know, but you also run the risk of being accused of surreptitiously recording him, right? And saying like he had no idea he was being recorded. He saw you, you know. So right, right. Yeah, it's true. It's a sticky. It's a it's a tricky thing. Now, Laura, one uh, quick note: you love the online extras for this podcast. If our listeners haven't checked those out, would you recommend that they do so? Yeah, it's it's not. It's just um, they've actually transcribed, I think, a lot of the podcast and they have a lot of interactive, you know, photos and a lot more, you know, information. If you want to go see what the people look like and and look at a little bit more information about the case, they have a pretty detailed uh, section on their website. KW's mustache, huh? That's serious. <laughs> An infographic of KW's Oh, no, yeah. I saw a photo of me. Yeah, it's, that's a major league mustache. Now, Laura's husband has a major league mustache. No. No? It's no, no, no. Laura's husband's mustache is, is a young boy. It's a minor league <laughs> mustache. This is a grown-up man mustache. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. What does that say? It's not good. All right. Well, this is the time in the podcast where we tell our listeners, should they check out Hanging, the Mysterious Case of the Boy in the Barn by the San Jose Mercury News. By the way, Pulitzer Prize winning news outlet, very reputable newspaper. And Julia, who we That's met- Mercury like the planet? Yes. As they pointed out? Yes. Julia, who we met at the Podcast Movement Conference and who I've been corresponding with a little bit, really, really lovely reporter. And Kevin, she doesn't mind a little criticism. So it's okay to give it to her. But this is the point of That's the show- That's why I didn't talk to her. So I feel- <laughs> I didn't meet her, so I could say what I want. This is the point of the show where we tell our listeners whether or not they should check it out with a thumbs up or thumbs down review. Laura, should listeners of Crime Writers On subscribe to and listen to Hanging? What do you think? Yes, I say give it a go. I mean, we've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. This one is definitely one of the better ones I think we've listened to in recent times. I thought being a you know a child death, it was going to be hard to get past, but I got past that because there was so much else discussed and she does have a very good podcasting voice so i say give it a listen toby what about you thumbs up thumbs down on hanging by san jose mercury news yeah i I give it a thumbs up i think there's like a a super top tier of podcasts that we looked at and i think this is uh, among the best of like the next tier down so I, i i enjoyed it i agree i think this is comparable to breakdown season one in terms of quality writing reporting I have little quibbles with mixing, little quibbles with writing. I like the story below the story, and I I think Kevin's issues could have been solved with a little bit of different writing going into it. I really like Julia. I really like the podcast. I found a lot of things that they showed us and told us were interesting, so I also give it a thumbs up. Kevin, what about you? I give it a thumbs up. Really? I do. Oh, I'm so relieved. 
So, you know, like I said, my issue is when you do an investigation, the first question ought to be, is there a story here? Right. And again, I feel like, although it's very sad and it is about a child who died 30 years ago and there are legitimate questions, I, you know, if I were Perry White at the uh, at that newspaper, I, I don't know if I would say, yeah, you got a story here. However, I think that she took lemons and made delicious lemonade. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I would have restructured it. I mean, if it ultimately, if the question being answered is not going to be who is the killer, if the question is what did the system fail this child, then that story part could have probably been laid out better in the beginning so that that's kind of an expectation of where, where we we're knew going. we were going. Yeah. Where we knew where we were going. And all of the little things, the mixing, the, you know, we're going to use an iPhone to record, those are venal sins. I don't think it kills the podcast. I think, yeah, it has a little bit of a rough edge, but I still think that it's very good and interesting. The reporting is great. It kind of knocked my socks off, just like if I had, like, Bombas socks. They are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Really? Yeah. Just like that. Just Just like that. This podcast is just like Bombas socks. Yeah. This podcast (laughs) seems to be made from premium cotton. Nice. And this podcast... Podcast will stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer, just and, like Bombas socks. And keep up on your heels, that little like heel grip thingy they have. Yeah, that's socks. the blister tag. I love that thing. It's yeah. my favorite, my favorite feature of these socks. Yeah, so it won't fall down like under like your heel there, yep. and it rubs up against your uh, really your sneaker. Really good under those little ankle boots, by the way. Yeah, and definitely that innovative arch support, stay up technology, and the seamless toe. Bombas are what feet daydream about. I was wearing my Bombas today. They're awesome. I had to chaperone a field trip today, and it was a hiking, walking field trip, and so I was wearing my Bombas because they're so comfortable, and that was the only part of my body that was comfortable because it was like 90 degrees today, <laughs> but my feet felt good. Did you have like this, like a, one of the neon colors that they have now? Or I did. I, well, I, which had style the, um, I had the orange. They're like orange and gray or something. I like those, you know, they, and they have like bright pink and uh, yellow and uh, they're all so fun. I love them. But they're just so comfortable. And for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So keep cool, keep comfortable, and keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet. Bombas, buy one pair or four pairs at bombas.com slash crime today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash crime for 20% off bombas.com slash crime. We just talk about the huge jetliner that's flying over someone's house right now. It's not a jetliner. It's a uh, C-130. Very uh, impressive. That's a car. It's a military cargo plane. Yeah. Peace Air Force Base. Hey, by the way, Bombas, like the uh, just over the ankle black ones are the most comfortable basketball socks I've ever had. The LeBron James of basketball socks. Did it improve your game? Yeah, I wouldn't go quite that far, but it improved the way my (laughs) feet feel afterwards. What else you got, Kevin? Well, I know that you keep looking at my sexy beach body, Rebecca. I can't help but look at your sexy beach body. You're talking about your beach ball body, right? Oh, no, I'm changing that now because of Beach Body On Demand, the online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts personalized to your needs. And you also get extensive nutritional content Proven to help people achieve their health and fitness goals, including the brand new first of its kind cooking show for healthy weight loss and portion control called Fixate, which features over 100 recipe videos. So it's step-by-step program guides, workout calendars, comprehensive nutrition plans, Fixate, and the motivation and support of a growing community. Beach Body On Demand is the total package. 
Now, this is a brand new service, but already it has over a million members. That's and, a lot. And now you can claim a free trial membership when you text CRIME, crime. to 303030. Get full access to this entire platform for free. Just text the word CRIME to... 303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030303030
Wow, that's, an, that's a really wonderful and lovely cat of the week this week. So what I want to tell you, our listeners, is if you have more trashy cats you want to send Laura, um, <laughs> do it. Because it will make up for all of the charitable uh, cats of the week this week. So, Laura Bricker, if our listeners want to send you their disease-ridden, <laughs> skanky, mangy cats and or dogs that love to eat underwear, how can they find you on Twitter to do so? I am at Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if our listeners want to reach out to you online, how can they find you? At Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if our listeners want to uh, tweet to you, interact with the podcast, or the Fatberg, or anything else, how can they reach you on the Twitter? You'll find me at Kevin P. Flynn. And if listeners want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also find this little show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. If you want to interact with other listeners, discuss the episodes, check out other cool things we post, find us on Facebook at Crime Writers On or send us an email at crimewriterson at gmail.com. Of course, you can also go to our website, crimewriterson.com, to buy stuff using our Amazon link. Maybe we'll even read one of your items in a future episode if you're very, very lucky or if it's very, very disgusting. Line production for Partners in Crime Media is by the very handsome, officially driver's licensed Henry Lavoie. This podcast's theme music was performed by the New York Scott Jazz Ensemble and used with their permission. And this show was recorded in Square Egg Studio, formerly known as Studio C, formerly known as the Skanky Closet in our basement. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. Like how I was just able to do the credits with no script? Yeah, I was like, what happened to the script? Rebecca just sitting here like, with their arms crossed, no, like, th- I'm going off the top of my head. There are no credits in the script. I just had to, like, say them. Wow. Way to go. They're not fucking like you, hard. Like, there would be no way to, like, edit them in later. I know. I just, I forgot. <laughs> and I just take them from last week. I forgot, and I think live reads are better. Yeah. And right. I don't care for my something. Thanks to Bombas for sponsoring today's episode. Yay! Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. <laughs> Every pair comes with a built-in blister tab, innovative arch support, stay-up technology, and a seamless toe. And for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Buy one pair or four at bombas.com slash crime today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash crime for 20% off. Bombas.com slash crime. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.